Welcome to Simply Christian, a podcast diving deep into the essentials of the Christian faith, heresies, and everything in between. I'm Isaac. And I'm John. We're back. We're back. What's up, everybody? Oh, it's been a while. It has been a while. Feels so good to be back. Had a, had a baby, um, conquered the world, climbed Mount Everest, and now, <laughs> now I'm back to record with you, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michaela and I just found out that we are having a baby, too. So, first baby. So Praise the Lord. Yeah, man. Yeah. A lot of new life. A Pretty lot cool. of new life. That's good. Well, we're so glad to be back with you listeners, and we hope that you are tuned in and uh, ready to study with us because we have a... Um, a couple of deep episodes for you, so maybe even worth getting your your Bible and a notebook, but at least listen along, because last episode, what we did was, we're kind of going from one end of the spectrum to the other. Last episode, we took you guys back to the beginning, and we looked at creation, um, Genesis, the Genesis account, in contrast with kind of neo-Darwinism, um, things that we hear from science today. But today, in this episode, we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum, and we're going to go and talk about eschatology. Mm-hmm. And eschatology, for those of you who may not be aware, it's just a big, fancy theological word that means the study of the last things. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of views that are all held by godly, biblically-minded Christians. Um, but in this episode, what we're going to do is kind of touch on all the main things that are agreed upon for the most part, across the board within Christianity, um, and we'll in the in a next episode we will kind of get into the more specific views uh, that are more detailed and are kind of like the glue or the uh, the things between the things we all agree on. Like, mm-hmm. how's that all going to play out? What's mm-hmm. the puzzle look like? Yes, yeah. So definitely, this episode and next episode are going to really be linked together. And so we'll just lay a, a general foundation for some of the big picture things that we all agree on, and are, as Christians, essentially, we need to agree on. And so that'll kind of lead us into the the triage level because the things that we're painting are not only just like um, the overarching flow of Scripture, but also the the direction that God is is taking us toward that we need to hold to as Christians. And so, kind of yeah. some of the stuff, maybe not everything that we're talking about today, but most of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, we'd put at a pretty high level, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Most of it, especially the stuff we're going to get to towards the middle and end, the first couple of things is just kind of background information. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep. So at least level two, but maybe even level one, um, especially toward the last end, because we're going to be talking about the direction that God is taking us as he's revealed. And if people do not hold this, um, then they're kind of not only disregarding scripture, but also undermining the overarching plans of God and what yeah. he wants to accomplish with us in eternity. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. So uh, just as a review for what you, what we're going to be talking about, we were going to look at what the Old Testament says about the afterlife, where people died in the Old Testament, where they went. The afterlife in the New Testament. Then we'll talk about return the return of Jesus, which this is where we get into the level one stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Return of Jesus. Jesus is definitely coming back. Um, there is going to be a final judgment, and there will be an eternal state the new heavens and new earth, mm-hmm. which often just kind of gets thrown around as heaven. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that. Amen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's start back. Let's start. What did the Old Testament saints, when they were writing, how did they understand, just to begin with, the afterlife? And even if they didn't have this perfectly clear picture, which maybe we don't either, but fully of everything to come. How did they see the future end of things, afterlife? Let's let's start framing that out. Yeah. So uh, 
the first thing we want to look at is in the Old Testament, there's this word. And depending on the translation you've used, if, you, if you're using a modern translation, you've probably seen this word and may have no idea what it means. But it is the word sheol. And this word is used um, around 63 times in the Old Testament. could be more um, than that, but that's just from my counting in this uh, particular translation I'm using. Um, and the word means the grave or the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. And we see this word used a lot, and there's a, um, a place, well, before I get to the really interesting one, I actually want to go to the the more mild one, which is in Psalm 16, and that's going to be in verse 10 of Psalm 16. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Mm-hmm. And uh, this verse is actually quoted in New, the New Testament referring to Jesus' resurrection. Sounded familiar. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Okay, so we see the word there. It's not overly clear what it means. So let's look at a few other places. Uh, number 1633 says, and this is um, referring to this uh this group of people in Israel who was rebellious against God and God was judging them. So it says, And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their uh, goods, not gods. Um, So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. That sounds scary, man. I don't want to go. I don't want to go that way. Even just imagining that, but imagine being there to witness it and seeing that how terrifying. And then even worse to be the one plummeting down. Oof. No, man. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, no, no. But yeah. So that's that's that. Do you have any comments on Sheol? Yeah. And so I mean, somebody might ask. Well, it, and I think you kind of touched on it. But is this a place where only the bad people go? Like, is it only those who who God um, who disobeyed God and this was their punishment, and they got swallowed alive and went down into Sheol? Um, and the Psalm sixteen ten was was definitely one reference of kind of making it seem like there's there's not it's not just for the evil. But also another passage that we could look at um, is Psalm 49.15, which, just to show real quick, this isn't just a place for the wicked. This is also a place where the dead go, or where the righteous go. It says, God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. And so here, um, the psalmist is even writing from a, uh, from the standpoint of a believer in God that he acknowledges that I'm going to go to Sheol when I die. I'm righteous. I'm a worshiper of God. I'm going to serve him forever and ever, but God is going to rescue me from Sheol. And so we're just saying this just to emphasize Sheol is a place where both the righteous and the unrighteous go from an Old Testament perspective. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yep. yep. So... Um, I think this is going to be a little bit more clear once we get into this the New Testament side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take that? Yeah. Um, and so what happens in the New Testament? The New Testament takes this word sheol, but obviously the New Testament is written in an entirely different language, written in Greek. And so the equivalent of sheol, if I'm correct in saying this, is Hades, right? Right. That's yep. right. And so the Greek word Hades, we can correspond with the Old Testament word sheol. And it's the same thing. It's a place of the dead place where the dead go, but a, a really um, vivid description of Sheol, um, or 
Hades in the New Testament is described by Jesus Christ himself in Luke chapter 16. And you get the very famous story that Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus. And whether or not you see this as a parable or you see it as um, more literal, I think either way what Jesus is conveying here is a very real truth that we have to take seriously. And he talks about a rich man who has all of this world's goods, and he has this poor beggar named Lazarus outside who he doesn't feed, he doesn't do anything for. The dogs actually treat Lazarus a lot better than he does. The dogs at least lick his wounds. The rich man doesn't give anything to this man. And then they both go into Hades. Now it says, in Hades, this rich man, he lifted up his eyes and being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. And so what, what we'd argue here is that there's within the general Sheol or within the general Hades that there is a place of torment that people's souls or spirits go and they are conscious feeling pain, feeling suffering, but within this general shield as well, that there is a place, Abraham's bosom, that a person is in respite. They're enjoying life. They're resting and they're experiencing comfort and ease and blessings in Abraham's bosom. And again, this is a carryover from the Old Testament view of Sheol, which now we see as Hades, which we can pick up in the New Testament to see how it fleshes this out and elaborates on it. Right. Yep, that's exactly right. And uh, just to throw in something that most people may not know, and it's kind of weird but super cool, is so we've already clarified that within Hades, it's just the general place of the dead. Um, it's described as the heart of the earth. It might not actually be a physical location, I don't know, but it's definitely given that word picture at least mm -hmm. um, as being the heart of the earth. Um, there is a passage in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. This is what it says. It says, talking about false prophets and teachers and God's going to judge them. And then to kind of give an example, in verse 4 of 2 Peter chapter 2, it says, For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into Tartarus and committed them to change chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, herald of righteousness with seven others, and you know, goes on with mm -hmm. the judgment there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he uses the word Tartarus. Tartarus is, um, first of all, it's it's a word associated with Greek mythology for the place in Hades, in the Greek view of things, which was also the abode of the dead, same word, um, where the Titans went mm -hmm. for their 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 judgment into, into Tartarus. Um, and Peter uses this word to describe a place where the evil angels, the evil spiritual beings, are being kept in prison until the final judgment when, which we'll get to in a minute, where there's something else that happens mm -hmm. um, to everyone in there. So um, apparently, and, and again, this is okay if people don't, fully see it this way because this is not essential yeah. whatsoever this isn't level one but, stuff yet yeah this, yeah. Is, not, this uh -huh. is like level four <laughs> but but i think it's cool um that peter makes no caveats in explaining 
what he's talking about here. It says Tartarus, and most English translations are probably going to say hell, but you'll see a footnote, and it's Greek, Tartarus. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And Tartarus, um, so, so apparently within Hades, there's a special place for many of the spiritual beings, the angels, that rebelled against God. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of get a hint that there are not only departed people there in Hades, not Tartarus, but Hades in general, but that there are um, spiritual beings that are there as well, because when Peter also talks about um, Jesus descending into Hades after his death to um, to lead captivity captive and proclaim his victory mm-hmm. over um, death in Hades, mm-hmm to the spirits who are in prison. Um, when it says spirits, like he's talking about these these spiritual beings, these angels, um, at least in my understanding of it. So it's, it's really interesting to see like, okay, in this place called Hades, there's the righteous, which are in Abraham's bosom. There's a chasm. Then there's the place of torment where all the, the, um, the people who are not humble towards God are and who mm-hmm. have died. And then there's an even deeper chasm within that that dark side of Hades, for just those who are um, just just the evil spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and so the picture so far is basically just to kind of sum it up: we have um, up to the point of Christ, and even after through his life <clears throat> and up to his death, we have this general assembly of the dead. That every everybody goes, um, their bodies rot away, but their spirits go to this place called Sheol or Hades. Within Hades, there is a place that is not. There's not an equivalence of the righteous and the unrighteous. The unrighteous are suffering, while the uh, righteous are experiencing joys and comforts. Now, Jesus Himself, and you kind of alluded to this, and we already read the Psalm sixteen ten. I want to read to you in Acts chapter 2 where it says Jesus goes to this place. And so Peter in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, he says this. He says, brethren, after quoting this psalm, Psalm 1610, he's basically going to argue this isn't really applied to David. This applies to our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead. And so what Peter is saying here is that when when David wrote this psalm, Psalm chapter 16, he's speaking in a forthcoming manner. He's speaking what's coming in the future. And he's foretelling what Jesus is going to do. And it says, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. And so everybody agrees Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, but where was he prior? It says, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received to the, from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured forth what you see and hear. And so just to go right back to right before that, verse 31, it says this, says, he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. And so Peter is telling us, he says, Jesus went to Hades, but he was not abandoned there. And so we have to ask, what was happening when Jesus was in Hades? We'll argue to you real quick, First Peter chapter 3 lays that out for us. Yes. First Peter chapter 3, 
And we're going to start in verse 18. It says, For Christ also died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh. And so here we're going to get this layout. Jesus Christ dies in the flesh. But then it says this, He was made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. And so what we are arguing here is that when Jesus Christ died, he went to Hades, and not only did he make proclamation to the wicked spirits there and demonstrated his victory, just like an ancient king after he did uh, he defeated and overthrew another nation, he would do like a victory lap with maybe even the decapitated head of his enemy king. Jesus Christ was saying, I won. But now, not only that, he also ransacked the other part of of Hades, and he has now emptied it. And so now when we see Hades, Hades currently right now only exists of the unrighteous, that Jesus Christ has brought out all of the righteous from Hades. And so now, if you talk about Hades now, we're not talking about that's where the righteous are because Jesus Christ has redeemed the righteous, brought them out of Hades. And now when the Old Testament saints and people who died in Jesus' day who died righteous, they are with Christ, no longer in Hades, but absent from the body and now present with the Lord. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, man. So now we are going to move into the level one stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably some aspects of what we've talked about so far that are level one, maybe just the fact that there actually is an afterlife, mm-hmm. but that's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why are you listening to this? <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, so the first thing we want to look at is the return of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the Christian church has always held from the time of the apostles up through, um, and even in the Old Testament, it talks about this, that the Messiah coming to set up his kingdom in a, a physical way, like a real physical kingdom mm-hmm. to return. And there is plenty of disputes about the timing of this and the nature of this and what will precede his, his coming. Mm-hmm. But we all believe that Jesus is going to return and he is going to make things right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the place we see this um, is... Uh, was a number of places, but the first one I'll read is um, in First Thessalonians. It'd be helpful if I was there already, huh? <laughs> I'm so professional. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Mm -hmm. encourage one another with these words. So Mm -hmm. um, there's that. 
Um, you can take the Revelation 19 one if you want to. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have Jesus Christ coming in powerful fashion in Revelation 19. Um, and so this is, again, a level one thing. Is Jesus going to return? Or is he just already done everything that he's going to do in his first coming, and now he's gone and departed and will never return again, and the only way we can meet him is when we die, but just life is going to continue on this planet ongoingly forever and ever and ever like this? Or is Jesus actually going to bring a finality finality to this age and come back and return? And we would argue this is a level one thing. Is the second coming of Jesus Christ going to happen as Scripture depicts it? Revelation 19 is another one. Sometimes we have these uh, majestic, wonderful, kind of more soft pictures of Jesus Christ's coming. And we as believers look forward to when he comes. We Our hearts cry out, come, Lord Jesus, will you come? Mm. But there is going to be this agony that also comes for the, for the wicked when he comes. And so Revelation... We see this in chapter 19, verse 11, and it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed with fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe is written, mm. and, and on his thigh, a name which is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, this is also referenced in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. You just read this fearful and dreadful coming of Jesus Christ who will wage war on his enemies. And we who are alive at this time um, will look forward to it. It's going to be a joy to us, but he will also do deal a death blow to the wicked, and he will strike down his adversaries. And so Jesus Christ is indeed coming again. And we have that to look forward to as believers, but also just as a, a pitch for us evangelists or people who are sharing the gospel, tell the good word to people because we know that Jesus Christ is coming again, and we don't want people to be caught up in Jesus Christ treading down the fierce wrath of God. Um, we want to call people out of that to the glorious Savior of Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. The, we use the word saved all the time in Christianity, like I'm saved mm, or God mm-hmm. saved. What are we being saved from? Well, we're being saved from God himself, mm-hmm. from his wrath. Yeah, that's that is right. just, and we deserve. Yeah, so, amen. Yeah, amen. amen. So uh, <clears throat> we so, talked about the return of Jesus. Oh, did you have Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's one of the level one things, the return of yeah. Jesus. Yeah, what else is level one? Yeah, so the final judgment. Mm. Final judgment is level one. We get this all over the place, of course. Jesus talks about it a lot, but Revelation 20, I think, since we're already in Revelation, mm. it's a pretty clear um, pretty clear teaching of this. So if you look at chapter 20, so the next chapter from where John was, at verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. The, um, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is is key. There is going to be a final judgment where everyone is judged according to their works, believers and unbelievers alike. Difference is believers are credited with the works of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, of course, there's another judgment that the Bible talks about for believers only where we're rewarded for our work. So that's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is uh, but this is the, the eternal state type judgment, which determines where you will be for the rest of eternity. Right. It's important that we just talked about Hades because you can see here, it's very clear. It says death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is what we would call hell, mm-hmm. the ultimate hell proper. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, the word Gehenna, which actually isn't used here, um, but it the the idea is often connected with the Lake of Fire. Gehenna was this place outside of Jerusalem that was always burning because that's where they would throw dead bodies, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. would be burned, and it was this very gross place where the worm never died. It was fire all the time, corruption, all that, and that's very much so tied to this picture here of um, of the lake of fire. So anyone who is in Hades right now, those who are unbelievers and have died, are in Hades right now. At the final judgment, death and Hades will give up the dead, mm-hmm. and they'll be at the judgment, and then they will be thrown into the lake of fire, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really sad and crazy. Um, yeah, definitely don't. Ever people should never joke about hell because it is not a joke. It is a real, real thing. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully ought to be with much. I mean, ideally with tears to think about you yeah. know souls going to this place of the lake of fire. Even to think of just souls going to Hades right now, where we see the rich man um, whose name isn't given, but he's just crying out in agony. I just want Lazarus to just touch his finger in a little bit of water and put it on my tongue yeah um but then how much worse even that when the sea or when the when hades gives up the dead and then hades and death are cast into the lake of fire but then the lake of fire is the the final end the final eternal end of not only satan and his angels but also all of those who have lived their lives in rebellion of god and rejected the glorious gospel um but and so just to, to sum up two of the things so far that we have that are level one issues is number one, Jesus is going to return. And if you meet Christians or people who are professing Christians who say Jesus isn't going to return, um, then flee from them or try to rebuke them, correct them. Yeah, sure. But watch out for doctrine that will say that. But also, and you see this a little bit more commonly, that there is no final judgment. God is very soft and God is just going to bring all into his kingdom. And at the end of the day, he's just going to say, yeah, you know what, all that, you know, Jesus dying on the cross stuff for our sins no, and people not repenting. I really just, I'm going to be soft on them, and it's fine. I'll let them in. That's also her, a heretical doctrine as well, because Jesus Christ is going to come and bring an end to his enemies. And there is a final judgment, um, which we'll warn about many, many places. Um, and so please take that seriously as well. And something else, just the last thing that... Um, this is all preface for next episode as we talk about the various views of eschatology. Um, but we wanted to save that for an episode in its own right as we lay the foundational things, the kind of broad strokes and um, 
big picture stuff that the Bible presents um, that all of these views that we'll talk about next episode agree upon. Again, the return of Jesus, the final judgment, but also the eternal state. There is an eternal state that we hope for um, and look to, and not hope in a worldly sense, but we set our attention on because Jesus Christ said it, it's going to happen, so we look forward to it. It's a time when death is no more, when there is no more death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death even is part of the thing that is thrown into the lake of fire. Mm. Death is thrown into the lake of fire, and forthcoming from that, is the eternal state when all of us who are still alive at this point, who are, our lives have been hidden in Christ from the wrath of God. Here is a wonderful description, and there are other places like this, and maybe we can talk about them, but just Revelation 21 gives us such a great, beautiful picture of something that we have to look forward to. Um, and again, you can go elsewhere for similar descriptions, 1 Corinthians 15 and such, but let's just look at real quick the first few verses of Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now just listen to this, and just let your soul feel comfort in this, what we have to look forward to, believers. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And it says, and he who sits on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. What a glorious thing that we have to look forward to, a time with resurrected bodies, a time when we are in the presence of the Lord forever in an eternal state where we won't ever have to worry about sin creeping in, death, dying, sickness, suffering, that there is a glorious eternal hope that things won't always be like this. And this is, again, a very essential level one thing that we hold to very dearly. Because as Paul says, if we don't hold to a resurrection, we're, we're, we're most pitiable among all men. Yeah. Um, what are we doing this whole Christian life for? What are we suffering here on this earth for if we don't have such a glorious hope to look forward to? Yeah. But indeed we do. Amen, promise dude. in Jesus Christ. Yes, we sure do. We sure do. It's so cool. You see at the beginning of the Bible, heaven and earth are together. And then sin, there's separation between mm -hmm. God's dwelling and man's dwelling. And that's where we get the whole temple theme throughout the Bible, where yes. this, this holy place where God and man can meet again. Yes. Where heaven and earth can meet again. And we see Jesus being the ultimate temple where, where heaven actually comes to earth. Yes. God becomes man. And then through that promise comes to the end where he makes a new heaven and new earth. These aren't separate places. They're together. Mm -hmm. The abode of God and the abode of man together. Yeah. Like, yeah. and the, so it's the end of the Bible, like the first part of the Bible, but much so upgraded. <laughs> it's definitely a big upgrade. Praise God. Yeah. yeah, man. yeah. And so these are hopefully, um, if you guys listen to these two episodes in conjunction, these are again the big picture things setting up the stage for the debatable things, which we'll talk about next episode, when the various different views of eschatology and how things shape out and how things come to pass. But we all, again, agree upon um, the, the main themes. 
there is going to be a return of Jesus. There is a final judgment, and there is this glorious eternal state that we look forward to. And so in the next episode, we are just excited to jump into the the debatable things, the particulars that we kind of get at each other about, but hopefully yeah. still hold uh, good, dear Christian fellowship in the midst of these little debates. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's all for today's episode. Consider subscribing for more Simply Christian content, and until next time. Oh,